Come on and join me on the B-side With movie stars that weren't in their prime Made all the movies that got left behind That got them covered on the B-side You're gonna like it on the B-side Cause you got Dan and Connor by your side Throwing your knowledge from the inside And now you're listening to the B-side Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the B-Side Podcast for the Film Stage website. As always, I'm Dan Mecca here with Connor O'Donnell, who is we're in person for the first time. I, in- I what, four years? Yeah, I mean, we always were doing it remote mostly. And then we used to work in the same office. Nobody, I guess, works in the same office anymore. And so we would do it sometimes. And then the I don't know if you guys have heard about what, what happened, but this the queen died. <laughs> Right. As, we're, as we're recording, news just broke. The Queen has passed. Is that that's what you're referring to, or is R- there something bigger that happened that I'm a, unaware of? R.I.P. Uh, Q.E. Two, but yeah. So there was this uh, virus. This, what? Yeah, that um, yeah it plagued the, the nation, and we were we had to do everything remote. All right, so here we go. <laughs> we're talking about this is nice. So this is the episode 101. Yep. We had our lovely hundredth episode, and now we are we're we're going back to where it all began. This episode is a long time in the making. Tom Cruise Part Two. We're talking about uh, Rock of Ages, Jack Reacher, and Oblivion. We're kind of cheating. I don't know that you'd even call any of these B sides. We kind of said this with Tom. I think Cruise. Rock and Oblivion more so. Reacher maybe less so because it got a sequel. You know, but, and McCory. Yeah, in that collaboration. I, I do think. Um, I, I do think with like we said with Tom Cruise, there are very few B sides, obviously, because he's such a yeah. big movie star. So whatever though. The point is we wanted to talk about this. Our these basic movies. rule of thumb was between mission impossibles was the Yeah, kind so we of have a part two and a part three. Our guest for part two, a guy we love, a co-worker, a producer, a director, a filmmaker. He made a movie called The Eve, which is a nifty little thriller set around New Year's Eve. Um what, ten years ago, Richie? Yeah, it was 2011 when we uh, yeah. when we filmed it. And yeah, his name's Richie Filippi. We love him. Richie, tell us about you. Do a lot of stuff. You you've written a couple of episodes actually of Fathom, which is the story podcast that I kind of run, which have been great. Um, and really like particularly nasty, which is like I love because I don't. I feel like I don't have that. I always say to my wife Kelly, I don't have that that horror like capability i lack i find as a writer and like so you you bring this kind of nice you know like appreciated well, creepiness that's, and that's a good that's a good balance right so you have the episodes that are a little bit exactly more eerie and then you have those episodes that are just in your face horror which yeah. is you know yeah, which the is best, fun to add in yeah the closest i can do is like yeah twilight zone adjacent like morality play like i well, feel you like know, I can't. you know why that is dan it's because richie's a sweetheart Oh, I feel yeah. like that's the key with a lot of like a lot of like good horror writers is that like when you meet them, you're like, oh, they're like so nice and wholesome. Well, but they true. got all the they, they keep all the bad stuff in their brain and they put it on the page. Well, and even like our other coworker who all, we ha- we love who we had on the podcast to talk Wes Craven, Joe Bandelli, also a filmmaker, made yep. Hell House, produced Hell House LLC and is directed as well. He directed the the param- the paranormal activity. Oh, that's right. Paranormal activity, right? Paranormal yep. activity, like grand making of doc, which is really good. Which I believe it's on Paramount, which Plus. is on Paramount Plus, and I think came out in, in alongside the new 
paramount. Yes, the most recent. Paranormal. I said paramount activity. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, what I did. Yeah, yeah. Paranormal activity. Indeed. But anyway, Joe is so also I, I, a sweet guy. So my so your theory holds. Toby Hooper, apparently a very sweet guy. Right, that's Wes Craven, saying, apparently what, a very Wes sweet Wes Craven yeah. was yeah. the sweetest. Yeah. So you're and you good, also love you're Wes, You're in good right, company, Richie? Richie. That's all we're saying. Richie, do you love Wes? I, I, I absolutely love Wes Craven. I mean, he was, like Joe, Wes Craven was one of my uh, big inspirations and uh, and influences with how I write and sort of the approach that I take. Yeah. And what do you have other than, I guess, his main ones? And then we'll obviously we'll talk Tom. Is there like a, a B-side West that you love that you have in your back pocket is like, we loved, we, the one we all love was the people under the stairs when we recorded. I remember we, we were talking. About. Yeah. So the one that always got to me, which you talked about as well was the Hills have eyes. Sure. So that movie and the remake, which is surprisingly uh, effective as well. Right. Uh, both of those was like, you know, just that, that idea of being in the middle of nowhere, being Oof. surrounded and having to just survive. And he was so good at just bringing, you know, those characters out, putting them in that situation and letting you care about them as just the most horrible stuff imaginable is happening. Right. No, that movie is, yeah, the, the, the original. I, I I saw the remake, the Alex Aja remake that Wes, like, supported and produced, I think. But, like, that original is, like, harrowing stuff. Um. All right, so Tom Cruise. That, the the oh, remake is actually awesome because that's how I was able to meet him. I went to Comic-Con and he was there promoting the remake. Hmm. So he had, they had this whole signing and everything. And then I, I got to him during the signing and I had, <laughs> I had a copy of an old uh, film that I did called The Man in the Basement. And I, I like slipped it to him and he looked at me, he put it in his folder and he like leaned close and he said, I will never tell you what I think, but I will watch this. I promise you that. And then like, <laughs> that's kind of lovely. That's almost so, like, like exactly what you want. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> it, it, it made my, you know, uh, made my year. That's great. <laughs> Just knowing that. that he had it and was going to watch one of my horror pieces uh, that he, you know, heavily influ influenced. It was just really cool. I that is that. cool. I will never tell you what I think, but I will watch this. <laughs> I don't I, want you to ever be able to sue me for any reason, <laughs> but I will watch this and never be in communication. Um, So, okay, Tom Cruise. We all love Tom Cruise. We talked about Tom Cruise off mic, obviously, all the, the many years we've worked together. Um, you, I, I think we should say up front, Richie, you, as we open with Rock of Ages, and Richie, you can kind of give us maybe a little... Uh, summary of the movie slash context you worked on rock of ages when it filmed down in florida which what was that 2011 i guess right or something like that it, it was it was it was a little over a decade ago because the movie came out summer 2012 correct because jack reacher came out yeah. winter 2012 and then oblivion comes out the next summer 2013 those are three movies like we said so yeah, I guess set us up with what Rock of Ages is. I imagine most people vaguely know what it yeah, is. It's kind of it was a big yeah. Broadway hit, a jukebox musical. But like, I guess tell us what it is, what what Tom's role in it is. And then I guess if you want to open just telling us about, I guess, your experiences on that set, I suppose. Uh, go, go ahead, well, buddy. Well, I think I need to start with a very important disclaimer before I talk about actually any of these movies. So... Uh, the TV that I watched these movies on 
was Tom Cruise's TV from when he <laughs> lived in Miami on Rocket Beach. <laughs> so I feel like it's very important. He he had it. He he used it for you know the months that he was there. He calibrated it. So like Tom Cruise looks fantastic on my TV. Oh my god! And I felt like I need to <laughs> disclaimer that because <laughs> I, I honestly, Richie, if you could, if you haven't touched the settings and you know what they are, oh I god. would I would love to see just what those settings are. Like what the like. I like does, afterwards. Does, does, I might have to take a picture. Yeah, and, sure. Yeah, sure. Does, does, does the, Cruise, uh, I just yeah. want to know. Like, I would assume Cruise hates motion smoothing, right? Oh, like, remember well, he, he made did the whole video. Yes, right, right, about right, right. Yeah. So that, that's why I'm saying that. Like, so yeah, so motion smoothing's off, right? Might be an so, older so TV, so might not, not have HDR height filter <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. The age filter off yeah all those filters <laughs> look we have never touched the settings on this tv and it's 10 years later and everything still looks fantastic so whatever he did while it was in his possession there you worked. go look if the movie star thing doesn't work out he's got a career in and, calibrating uh, yeah. tv <laughs> at circuit city I think circa, that's one of my yeah. favorite parts of working on big movies at the end of the shoot you know, they're like, okay, we have to sell yeah. everything that we bought on location and you can buy it, you know, for much more affordable than it would uh, otherwise be. So it wasn't marked up because it was Tom Cruise's what TV. What was... kind of TV is it? Oh, yeah. Good question. What brand? I honestly, I, I don't know. I, I'd it's have Cruise to go brand. look yeah. at it. I, I will tweet you the brand and info please on do yeah and please do um <laughs> that's amazing that's i'm so, so glad you brought that up. so that's he amazing. looked great on he so that's great great context so he looked great on the tv so yeah tell us what what's up with rock of ages it, tell well us i so let me just start with so on rock of ages i was the travel coordinator so we shot it on location in downtown miami and miami beach and it was a wild you know uh so I was there for seven months. Some people were there as long as nine months as we built the Sunset Strip in downtown Miami. So the Sunset Strip of the 1980s, where the movie takes place, we built in Miami. So like you could actually walk down the Sunset Strip in downtown Miami. I will say good, the, good job. When Dan and I watched it last, we rewatched it last night. It looks pretty good. It does look good. Yeah. They did a good job. I did not know that. And, and the movie itself, it, it it takes place in the 80s. It's very, you know, uh, heavy metal, hard rock uh, influence. It, uh, it's it like focuses on... Yeah. Yeah. Yes, hair rock. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it focuses on two characters that come to Los Angeles with dreams of making it big. They both work at the Bourbon Room, which is the, the hip room. club where yeah. everyone gets their start, including Stacey Jacks, who is one of the biggest rockers in the world, uh, who is portrayed by none other than Tom Cruise. Right. And the movie just follows these these characters in the 80s and 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 their dreams as the world is sort of coming down hard on on this hair rock yeah and it's like her so julianne huff it plays her name is like sherry christian right which if you know the songs right it's like you get oh sherry and sister christian right so it's like very on the nose i mean look here's the thing about this whole movie right like me and Connor were talking a lot last night while we watched it. Obviously, Richard, we know you you worked on it and you rewatched it. It's I, it's not God's gift to cinema. Obviously, no one would say that. Adam Shankman directed it, who is kind of a I think he a did very, hairspray. So yeah, that, very capable studio sense. hand. Yeah. Um, he's done a lot of different movies. I think he like directed like The Pacifier, right? Like just a lot of like those types of movies. Um, like bedtime stories, I think. And so he he's which one of these covered. guys. Which one? We bed bedtime stories. Oh, we covered we covered bedtime. Yeah. So anyway, um. 
if you know Rock of Ages, I and I we should actually fact check this, but I think in the early aughts it would it popped off on Broadway, right? And that was a show like a. Well, tw- Go ahead, Richie. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's actually so Rock of Ages. The show started strangely enough in Los Angeles. Oh, did and it, it started in yeah, and it started in this little place that was like very much like the Bourbon Room, where where it takes place. And uh, if you've listened to the uh, the soundtrack or if you've seen it the the this that version of it is it's insane it's like right. it's bonkers they break the fourth wall throughout the thing it's just it, it's sort of which gnarly it, which feels i the fourth wall thing i knew about and when we were watching when we were rewatching it last night i was thinking that like oh that that Would've might helped. that might have helped this movie yeah. like that might have kind of like given it a little bit I, of a, a cheeky edge i know what would have helped know. this movie and i we don't like to be too mean but i think the lead actors i i, I just think Bo, so diego bonita and julian huff bless them and julian huff very talented right great dancer great voice i don't think i mean they both have lovely voices sure. i don't think you you know look you hey, look it doesn't help that they're they're acting against Tom Cruise either a lot of the time who like I think Tom Cruise is like the living personification of like what a camera can do for a face in a positive way. Yeah, sure. And then like unfortunately Julian Huff and Diego I think it's you almost have the opposite where it's like I almost would re- I think they would play better on stage and for whatever reason the camera really doesn't seem to love them that much. And they don't See, really I, hold the movie together. In my well, opinion, I'm going to disagree please. because please. I think they're both extremely talented. Diego is, you know, just seeing him in person right. and, you know, and, and sort of watching that aspect. He's extremely talented. The problem with this was it felt like they took this, you know, this musical that started in L.A., went to Vegas and Broadway, and they, they Hollywoodized it mm. in such a way that they took out the fun they took out the rock because the the show itself is it's messy it's sloppy it's in your face you know when when mistakes are made it it makes it that much more enjoyable Hmm. and this just felt like it was so serious and it Hmm. didn't have to be like i wanted to see like deadpool style russell (laughs) brand breaking the fourth wall it was more and when we were watching it's funny you said that last night me and me and connor were saying it it is we had both seen it before, but rewatching it, we were reminded and surprised at how like Tom Cruise has like monologues in this movie. Yeah, where he's like, like I mean, he's, he's, the, he's like, life. It's he like has the and, he has the and credit technically, but he's like the third lead. Yeah, he's in a lot like, of movies and like is in a lot of the, it's it's kind of less of a supporting performance than I me too had remembered. Yeah, he's he's really um, carrying and, a lot and of it. They yeah. completely they changed the story and they changed the character because it's Tom Cruise. And like there's an expectation when you have Tom Cruise in a movie of sure. the type of character. Because Stacy Jacks in in the play version, he's a dickhead. He's an right. asshole. There's not a single redeeming quality about him. Right. And in and this Tom he's, Cruise, like Yeah, he's still an asshole, but there's a there's a there's a almost there's like a tragedy to it it's well, like there's a redemption arc yeah too. yeah he's like an asshole yeah. but it's like it's like oh but he's also being like abused by his manager who's just plying him with like drugs and alcohol and and yada yada you have paul Giam- yeah paul, paul giamani who's also the nicest guy in the world <laughs> gets to get all of like all the he's the smarmy Jacks. He, he's the smarmy manager in like three different movies too which yeah, is we, funny do you like, realize that richie we were talking about it so he is like a version of that character in 
Love and Mercy, the Brian Wilson movie with John Cusack, where he's the he's the doctor in that movie, but it's a similar role. He's also kind of managing his career. Yeah, like he's, he's like, yeah. the, you know, the doctor who like basically kind of ruined Brian Wilson's life, like medicated him for decades and then over medicated. And then um, straight out of Compton, yeah. he's the manager of nwa and then, i believe right and yeah. then um and then obviously rock of ages and i feel like we're forgetting one too there's like, probably there's he's probably, really he's he's he eats there's he a, eats yeah, there's, a yeah. there's a paul giamatti as music manager box set somewhere uh to be <laughs> mm. I, I think this is the b-side cinematic universe where sure. paul giamatti is just yeah. this if know, we do a giamatti manager. episode we're gonna cover all of his music we manager didn't even <laughs> say richie is the you richie is the reason we did our gerard butler episode many moons oh, ago that's true. because we, richie yeah. led the charge of, of that you, poll you wrangled the gerard butler fans butler on heads. twitter <laughs> yeah yeah see i thought you were going to introduce me with yeah, that yeah. Seriously. that's probably how i'm most well known yeah. to your uh to your audience i uh I, Jerry B, Love Jerry I'm B. waiting for the second episode. That's actually when you when you asked me to be on the show. I sure. thought it was going to be a, a, a Jerry B, you know, a the, sequel. Episode. There are things we could cover. Well, we what's could, funny yeah. is since that episode, and obviously, Richie, me and you have chatted about this offline for years, I feel like he's literally carved this niche out, Ger- Gerard Butler, of like only making, and I this is almost a compliment, this is basically a compliment, like only making like B-side like kind of middle budget they they mostly go to video now but they're very capable like greenland's a good movie yeah. the, the recent one last seen alive is pretty good they're like, better than you would expect way or better. probably they're better than they should be the Agreed. third the yeah. third um shout out to my we hate movies buddies are our we hate movies buddies they call these movies the american mike movies which i love <laughs> the third american mike movie definitely the best angel has fallen is like also that was out in theaters and was a hit but like even that movie like they're just these capable like actioners that are like also dramas i, I, I have a, a spec jerry b sequel to that called hollywood is fallen <laughs> where he has to protect an actor at the oscars and the oscars oh, very, is very much like the leslie uh what is the that's not the third that's yeah, like the vaguely the third, naked. third oh i was gonna say is <laughs> it I, it's 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 like gerard butler's the bodyguard you know well that's like, what yeah i mean which is what is doing that. Is. Yeah, 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 yeah. so it's all, all yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's the next logical step for that series. i like it yeah. i will i will say just to keep us on, on track Tom Cruise, here, yeah, yeah, sure. just before we move on from rock of ages um i will say and dan you and i talked about this off mic like it is an outstanding performance. It is like and not only and not only like outstanding in a general like, oh, it's fun to see Tom Cruise do this or whatever. But like, I actually can't really think of another time, you know, because even the other movies we'll talk about, right, like Reacher and Oblivion, like he's calibrating a version of like Tom Cruise movie star in, in, in those two movies. And he's still doing he's doing that here, too. But it's to a degree that like. I, it almost sits on its own as this like pocket of kinds of roles. I was thinking, so after we talked about it, and Rich, you, I want you know, I want to get your take on this. I was thinking about it, and I think the 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 roles I would get, I think, get closest is you know his manic performance in Night and Day, which I think is quite great. Yeah, sure. His his one of his first roles, Taps, is like an unhinged performance. Right. That's close to this. Sure. And then, you know, pockets of Frank TJ Mackey and Magnolia, obviously. Right. Pockets right. of Les Grossman in Tropic Thunder. The one that right? I thought but of. This, with... You're right. This is almost a singular, like, 
I, I don't know that we'll ever get it again because obviously, unfortunately, this movie, Rock of Ages, didn't really do well at all. It's certainly one of his least successful movies in his career, actually. And I think, look, the curse of this movie is this happens to so many movie musicals. And Richie, I'm sure you'll agree with this. It just came out too late. I think a Rock of Ages movie in 2012, I think if it comes out in 2008, it gets more butts and seats, sure. even yeah. even this Hollywoodized version you're t- we're talking about, where it's a little bit more buzzy. And it by the time it comes yeah. out, it's kind of like the Dear Evan Hansen problem, same thing. Like, but that by the time the movie comes out, people are kind of like, oh yeah, that hit musical from a few years ago. What was it about? Oh, this is what it was. Okay, like this isn't that cool, right? That's always. I, I, yeah, go ahead. I, I would agree, but I, I also think it's if you're taking something that is uh, as beloved as a musical and you don't do the core sure. or heart of it justice, then it's never going to work. Right. Whether it was True. 10 years no. ago, yep. you know, 20 years ago. Uh, but I got to say, for so for Tom Cruise, what this performance felt like for me was taking, you know, one of his uh, shorter cameos where he just lets loose and becomes that character, and it stretched it out to a, to a full movie, and it was really successful. Like, sort of like the Tropic Thunder Tom yeah. Cruise, yeah. but he just went all out the whole time, mm. and it really worked. The, the thing that struck me on the rewatch, because I remember it in my head as a way more unhinged performance and it's and it is uh but what actually struck me is how he plays like the despondent quiet like tragic part of it and it's still for it's still for kind of laughs to a degree so it's never not sort of funny or kitschy or whatever it's never it's never like completely earnest in it's like deep-seated tragedy or whatever um but yeah it kind of reminded me of him doing like He's if if he pull if he's pulling from anything he's done before, it's like a portion of his born on the fourth of July performance yeah. a little bit. Like this kind of the like middle. Yeah. you know, he's like checked out. He's just like not there. Um and you get and I think even the like too old for this world thing, he like really I mean, he's definitely sculpts. settling into that. Yeah, and that I think that whole too old for this world thing, he sculpts to perfection in Top Gun Maverick, which obviously is this huge hit. And obviously there's this Oscar buzz that's kind of trickling along with Top Gun Maverick because it's the biggest movie of the year and all this. So um, you can, I think the coolest thing, and this is maybe kind of a good, kind of a button on the Rock of Ages, uh, you know, the movie itself at least, is um, you can see the, um, it's it's singular in the performance Cruise is giving, but you can see all the seeds before and after of kind of what he's grabbing from and what he'll kind of continue to pursue. Um, one other, we just have to mention this, the whole Alec Baldwin, Russell Brand kind of gay relationship whole thing. I like forgot was even in the movie. Me and Connor watching it. I was like, the, and wow, the movie, what a and weird I, like button on the, the year 2012 where like Russell Brand, <laughs> Alec Baldwin are have these like, he, you know, hefty supporting half comedic, half romantic roles as like Baldwin owns the bourbon room. Russell Brand's his right hand man. They like kind of have this long, you know, forlorn love for each other that they kind of, you know, very PG 13 consummate in the movie. And yeah. it's like, wow, what a timestamp. You know, that's well, that's, the most that's like the real thing. And we don't have to get too much into it. But like, yeah, like the big thing about this movie that I think is noteworthy and, and frankly, like it, it, it will make it inter- even more interesting in the future is just like how many people are in it and like like 25 years from now you know there's going to be two other schmoes doing a podcast like the b-side 
and they're gonna find this movie and yeah. be like hey did you know that the guy who plays ethan hunt and like the female lead from mask of zorro <laughs> and the guy who was in breaking bat like did you know they were all in this random jukebox music like it's just such a right. like a fascinating thing well we just i like that Richie, happened, i just I, I just kind of softly recommended the whiz as part of our long you know our hundredth episode our hundredth episode we recommended all these movies and joel schumacher was one of our past subjects and he wrote the whiz so so i kind of softly recommended the whiz direct you know which sydney lumet directed the the movie version and we were saying this rock of ages you could it it's like the whiz like yeah we're like decades from now you're gonna be like oh man like michael jackson was in a movie with diana ross and like all these other kind and of great richard actors Pryor of their day and, richard Pryor, yeah. and um yeah nipsey it's russell a wild little you know. uh, time capsule yeah ex exactly, exactly is there anything from this set richie before we kind of move on like what was there what notable things i guess i guess either, either tom cruise jason or not do you remember from like working on that i mean what was kind of i'm sure it was a huge production obviously so it, it, I mean, honestly, the, it, the set itself and the shoot itself, there were so, so many like just good, awesome, amazing times. So the majority of the crew, the dancers, the cast, we flew out from Los Angeles and like it was just, you know, it, it was it was fun and enjoyable. And it, the set itself, because I think you, because you when you have this many actors coming together and this many uh, we also had like. You you name the you know the eighties rocker he was they were there he and she they were all there and they huh. were in cameos in the movie so like every day on set these people would just grab a guitar and start singing there was these little uh. concerts that would break out every day and then there was you know when 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 Tom Cruise did his concert he performed the concert they just you know of they, they filmed it in did. such a way to let him go loose and have this rock star dream of. Yeah you know, being on stage and singing to, to that massive, uh, to that massive audience. And I gotta say, so just to, to go back to Russell Brand, Russell Brand, very difficult to arrange travel for. There was many flights Shocking. that he just didn't show up, <laughs> but I, I, I feel like how they changed the movie did him and his character the most injustice in the sense that his character and, and the arc is very similar with Alec Baldwin in, in, in the show. And that, that part was, was really good, but they didn't let him cut loose. If they had let him cut loose, I feel like this could have been the type of caliber performance, yeah. which would be like Johnny Depp as Jack Sparrow, you know, that sort of like that, the, 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 the sneak yeah, energy, like, like untapped it. energy. Yeah. Yeah. And, exactly. And, and you're right, Reggie. It's funny you say that because even in the movie, when he does his like, which at the time was a signature, you know, cause you know, like we said in, in this moment, brand was getting movies. He was Arthur, right. He was like, you know, get him to the Greek, what have you. Julian Huff was getting, you know, uh, a uh, Nicholas Sparks movie. She was getting right. Like these kind of bigger chances to be a movie star, maybe. And obviously both have kind of gone on to do other things in different ways. But if the brand, the moments when brand even lets loose a little bit, it, feel, it doesn't work at all in the movie because it feels like it's out of left field. It's out of yeah. nowhere. Whereas yeah. like you're saying, if he was just allowed to do it fully, um, it would have probably he, he would have owned it. 
It would have yeah, been I one of those performances that you just remember for for years. But so like one of the key uh, standouts to me was so like one day on set there was like Debbie Gibson and Sebastian Bach and all these just amazing people uh, and that like itself the fact that the respect was paid there and that we <laughs> moved heaven and earth to to bring these people to sets wherever they are whatever they were doing and I know because I arranged right. and spoke to them <laughs> most myself yeah. <laughs> to get them there. Uh, but it was just, it was cool. And it was a really nice nod of respect to, you know, uh, to the rock of the eighties. So I feel like the love was there. Yeah. The movie didn't quite come together as, as, as clean or as good as it could have, but you know, the performances themselves, I thought were, were a standout. Like they look great. They sound great. Especially the, like, to you mentioned, you know, Tom Cruise being given the latitude or taking the latitude, maybe I don't you well, know, to 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 do his own kind of, you know, concert performance there. Dan and I were even kind of speculating. We were like, oh, he probably like loves these songs too, like earn, oh, like God, earnestly, yeah. like in his life. Cause like just the time period, Wait, right? Like it's the who music. Who doesn't love those songs? Well, well, he's, 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 the, the, it just, <laughs> it, it, he's like, he's fantastic. like exactly of yeah. the age and time, you know, where he, like all of these, all of this music w- was popular when he was like becoming hitting star. peak movies, right? Like becoming peak movie star, right? So, it just and it's all very like affirm like you know it's all very like affirming like well, I mean, energetic like, like, like yeah so like, I just I wouldn't like, be surprised that he just loves these tunes like, I like this hair rocks you know I like it as much as anybody uh, but he look there like a lot of like a lot of the 80s they represent this very specific kind of populist kitsch thing that was almost like an anti it was almost like an anti counterculture reaction that the whole you know look. You know, it's the Reagan of it all. It all it's all of a piece if you track it back. And not all of it is like some conservative terrible thing, but it's all, in my opinion, of a piece where it's like this was a reaction to the reaction. And I think you can enjoy it. And I think a lot of it's great. But I think one of the funny things with the musical and the movie version of the musical is it's just so specific. I think like yeah. kids, I mean, that's what we were talking about, right? I think we're all basically the same age, roughly like you get older, it, you know, maybe you're in your teen years. A lot of kids are interested in what their parents were listening to. And right. I remember being right. however old I was, 15, what have you, and being like, oh, Def Leppard, what is, let me listen yeah, to that. Yeah, sure, oh, sure. Foreigner, what is, yeah. and so for me, there's this like weird kind of, it's almost like not real nostalgia, but it's like nostalgia of my own life, I guess, where it's like. Like, cause I didn't obviously, yeah, I, you, you know, didn't I was born in the late eighties, but, but it's yeah, like yeah. my own experience of like, oh, pour some sugar on me. I remember when I burned that to a CD because I saw yeah. it and my dad remembered it and beep, boop, bop. And that, that matters. Um, and I think that's why the movie will probably linger on for a long time. Not unlike, like we said, the Wiz and these other musicals, but it's just such a funny specific you know, moment in time for like culture. It's a Venn diagram that has a lot of circles. You know what (laughs) I mean? Like, it's just like a Venn diagram that it's all these things coming together at such a, just, I feel like very specific moment. And I, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's fascinating. Admittedly, I will say this. I enjoyed it more watching it last night than I did when I first saw it in theaters. I, I and, and again, I think more just because we're removed from it now, and and, and I'm and I'm almost thinking about it on those terms, right? Of like, what a just yeah. what a fascinating thing that exists. Um, but yeah, 
Um, anything else before we? No, we can move before on. Before we think, move on, I mean, so just to, so for context, right? So this is Rock of Ages, right? Twenty twelve, cruise context, and when we first talked about cruise, we really focused on kind of it was that turbulent time, right? Post War of the Worlds, yep. Right? Obviously, you know everybody knows this, but he got very cruise in his real in his personal life. He got very briefly um indignant and honest about his religion and Scientology and kind of everything that went along with that and you know had the famous Matt Lauer interview and he had the the Brooke Shields response about the postpartum depression that wasn't handled well and then even the turbulent more of the world set was kind of famously like him and Spielberg kind of I don't know if you call it a falling out as much as like Spielberg got a little I think bothered by like the presence of the Church of Scientology on the set of War of the Worlds and then the fall fallout with paramount mi3 underperforms even though it, it does fine but like for what it was meant to do it underperforms paramount releases him from his like forever long deal with them right which is huge at the time like yeah. really like people forget like that was huge and then he and then he responds by buying united artists yeah running running he was a studio head people like forget this yeah. he was a studio head for two years he ran united artists and he greenlit stuff like valkyrie lions for lambs movies like this he makes these movies they don't they kind of underperform lions for lambs nobody watches um valkyrie does okay but like kind of is immediately forgotten i think it does better than people think but it's kind of immediately like even though i think it's aged i, I it's a good it's a good nifty yeah. thriller i think and then and uh, valkyrie's important especially in the context of the McQuarrie of the McQuarrie of it all. Right? Yeah. McQuarrie writes that Brian Singer directs, but like McQu the, the collaboration between McQuarrie and Cruz is really solidified there, obviously. And then, um, yeah, stuff like night and day, which we talked about. And then you have this moment of like night and day also underperforms, but Tropic Thunder is this like spark plug amidst all of that, that people do like. Um, and then finally, thank God, right. They make, goes protocol paramount kind of they re they relinquish back the franchise the cruise they're going to replace him with renner through rewrites that doesn't end up happening mccory had a still lot mccory had a lot to do with that, had a lot the to do that. but also yeah. i think mccory had a lot to do with it because they couldn't figure out how to do it i yeah, think yeah. that was kind of you know you had people like drew pierce and what have you or drew goddard like writing it and like or I think it's Drew Pierce actually, and it was and and it was like we they couldn't figure out the handoff, and McQuarrie kind of came in and was like, "Don't do the handoff, that's dumb." Yeah, like this is all about Ethan Hunt, which he was right about. And then this these movies are this next step, and it's like there's modest success, right? I think people like the Stacey Jacks performance. Nobody sees the movie. Okay, people. Jack Reacher. Kind he, of, he was still a he was still a good standout from like, yeah, yeah, gave yeah. him more 100, energy. And, 100, I, and, I, and I do remember even when it came out. Yeah, that, he was that he was being the, the attitude. Like even people who were kind of like, eh, I don't know, but they were like, oh, Cruz is like then, doing a thing. And then Reacher is a modest hit, but I think people like it, there's like it's a it feels like almost like a Peter Yates movie. It's old fashioned. People like it, right? It's like McCory's well, first is second. Uh, Second directed movie, first one with Cruz. They film it in Pittsburgh, shout out. Um, and it does well. And then Oblivion, I don't know if you guys remember this, Oblivion did okay. But the thing about Oblivion, Joseph Kaczynski directed it, who obviously will go on to direct Top Gun Maverick. He's coming off of Tron Legacy at the time. It's like an adaptation of his own graphic novel called Horizons, Oblivion is. 
Oblivion opened to like $37 million yeah. in its opening weekend. And people yeah. were like, holy shit, like Tom's back. It's an original sci-fi movie. And then it dropped like yeah, 70 like, plus. Yeah. I think it grossed like 90 domestic which isn't great for a movie like that but it did okay worldwide like all tom cruise movies you know because he's like a worldwide obviously phenomenon uh, by his own design after, uh, with the first top gun and um and so anyway but bring it back to reacher um now connor i guess you can set this one up yeah yeah i mean you kind of you you mentioned it a little bit there so it's just it's i, I mean you i think it is of these three, it's certainly the least B-side-y, like I said, because oh, totally. it, it got a sequel. I do think it's – even if it, you know, in the grand scheme, it did well – Maybe for, like 200 plus. Yeah, it did well like for 60. what it was, maybe yeah. lower than what a traditional Tom Cruise movie might want to pull in, obviously. I it's a but small it's also movie not, for yeah, It's, it's, yeah, sm yeah, it's yeah, a smaller yeah. movie. So, yeah, it was seen kind of as a hit. People generally liked it. And again, like I said, it got a sequel. It's based on a Lee Child uh, novel, part of a series of novels. Uh, First shot. Yeah. One shot. Oh, yeah, called, my called bad. One, called One, one Shot. shot. Um, and I'm like, a big fan of the books. I like have to Dan, say. I've like read Dan mentioned, Shot in the City of Pittsburgh, Hell where yeah. we are recording this episode. Hell so it's yeah. kind of like you're, we're getting the 4D B-side We experience. literally were. We, we saw, were we saw a NC Pirates Park. game yeah, last we at, night. We were walking on the walkway where all of those poor people are shot. Uh, the the so that's, I guess, a good segue into the synopsis <laughs> of the movie. So um, Jack Reacher, if you are unaware, is a former military police investigator who is now kind of a drifter. That's, a, that's essentially the setup. Uh, doesn't really leave a paper trail. He's kind of lives off the grid because he's a nomad. Um, but he's like a great investigator, yada, yada, yada. Um Obviously, controversially in the books, he is a very tall and brooding person. And in the movie, he is Tom Cruise. Uh, so yeah, that, that got a lot of flack. Yeah, that, that got a lot of flack. Because Tom Cruise is not tall. Yeah. Um, but I will say I am in the camp of, you know, I, the only one of those these books I've ever read is One Shot. Sure. And I don't know. I He does an amazing job at like feeling like the Thick. character right like it like so I, I think he pulls it off i understand how maybe Though, pe people credit, would get look i gotta give credit they made the show amazon and they cast that yeah and they, they cast literally like the biggest person in the world <laughs> um and i will say i had a lot of not animosity but i kind of was rolling my eyes a little bit i watched the show it's very it's good. good they it's good. they adapted the um the first novel the killing floor mm. Which I don't actually love. People, a lot of people do love it. I've read a few of them. It's like this, probably my least favorite of all of the Lee Child uh, Reacher books I've read. But the show is very good, yeah. actually. I got just yeah, a I shout would, out to that yeah, show. I would, it's a I good would show. recommend it. Yeah. Um, this novel was a more recent one. It was the sixth, it, I yeah, think. Yeah. When it got adapted. Um, and Reacher basically comes to Pittsburgh uh, because. There is a man named James Barr, who is a soldier that Reacher uh, served with in Afghanistan. Iraq I believe Afghanistan. so. I think it's Iraq. And he he investigated and put away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, basically, James Barr is brought in uh, on suspicion of murdering five people with a high powered rifle on the Pittsburgh waterfront, the movie open. Now, granted, this is not a mystery in the movie. It's one of the things I like about it, actually. The movie reveals to you immediately that it is, in fact, some mysterious heavy played by Jai Courtney, 
who I don't usually like, but I do think is very yeah, this good. This is like his second he's, credit. He's very good in this role. movie. Yeah, he's good. Jai Courtney. But they Mer- look so much alike. Yeah, they do. Like, I, they do at, look at very. At first, I thought it was him. Yeah, they do. Other than, yeah, Jai Courtney has like less hair, but like the shape of their face is the same. It's true. Um, it opens with a. And this is the thing, I think, uh, th- just a good launch pad for why I think this movie's a success and kind of an anomaly is Macquarie's a great genre director. He knows how to put a sequence together. He knows what it is. He knows what works dramatically. And it's the reason Valkyrie's a great screenplay. It's the reason that even despite like, you know, some of the hectic nature of Rogue Nation, it still somehow is well and it's even you know comes his, together into a you know his obviously first an movie, amazing movie. The way the gun, very messy. I really like the way the gun. Sequences in that movie there that are like are, three yeah, that are amazing. Great sequences where you can tell as a first time director he was so excited to just be yep. like i want to film the, sh- the slowest car chase ever i want to film the messiest uh, sh- uh shootout ever right? yeah like he wanted yeah. to take these genre staples and like spin them on their head yeah and those things work the movie as a whole i could i would totally hear the argument that doesn't work i would uh, frankly disagree but like in throughout his career as a filmmaker um, and even as a screenwriter, because all the usual suspects is is like these like very kind of specific. I mean, the words are those scenes, right? Like, yeah, that's the, exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, but anyway, but that said, it just it, this movie is sort of it's it it's comprised of stuff like that, too. It's got several like marquee sequences that are just impeccably crafted. The opening is one of them. It's horrifying. It gets revisited later in the movie after you've learned more about who the victims are. And that's also like an extremely affecting thing because initially you're sort of just watching it as a piece of horror, right? As a piece of like genre filmmaking as you're watching these people get murdered. And then when it gets revisited, it's like revisited as tragedy and and it humanizes the whole thing, right? Um, Which is also amazing. But basically... Just back to the plot, I'll wrap it up real quick. Reacher gets brought in to investigate James Barr, realizes kind of immediately that like something's not right. It's probably not him. And it's probably it. not yeah. him, even though there's every reason for him to think that it's Barr. He's working with Rosamund Pike, who is the district attorney's daughter, who is def- she's defending Barr, the district attorney, who is Richard, um, Jenkins. Richard Jenkins is investigating Barr alongside David Oyelowo, who's yeah. the detective looking into it. So there's a lot of adversarial stuff there. Working behind the scenes with Jai Courtney is an amazing like cameo villain performance by Werner Herzog, which is a lot of fun. So it's kind of like you said, it's kind of like an old school Peter Yates, like 1970s thrill, like a bullet-esque yeah, type thing. Yeah, I mean, thing. Bullet is the first movie yeah, I think yeah. you think of. You know, The Seven Ups is another one, like just kind yeah. of like na- like nasty, dark little thrillers. Yeah, and it's you know. uh, like point blank. Like, sure. Yeah, like it's it's all in that vein and McCoy does a great job. Cruz is, I think, very good in the movie. It's definitely a little bit of like, I think, a stodgier performance than you might expect from him in terms of like, he's just cool as a cucumber. There's not really a lot like, you know, it's not like A Few Good Men or something like that where he's kind of popping off and being charismatic. It's like very, it's a very stoic, brooding performance. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's just he really kind of that heart. He really carries that hard edge really well. There is an incredible car chase mm-hmm. in the middle of the movie right throughout the, the streets of Pittsburgh 
that for my money is like a top three. It's, a top, it's, it's like, like a top three movie car chase. It's oh, yeah. So it's like, good. I think it'd be in the top five or um, so. Ronin, right? Whatever yeah, it's, bullet. French it's, Connection. It's just excellent. To um, live and die in LA. Um, Richie. What do you think? What of are Jack your thoughts Reacher? on Jack yeah. Reacher? So, so at first I was watching it, and I, I had not seen this. Uh, I have not read any of the uh, any of the books, nice. but I was watching it, and my first like question was like, why? It, at first, it felt like it was going to be a more serious Mission Impossible, yeah, and sure. then it just started amping up more and more and getting more intense. And then, then I sort of I got it. It's like I felt like he. Tom Cruise wanted to do something that was more tough guy serious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the direction that this took. But yeah. yeah, at first I was just sort of thrown off because I expected it to go, especially with director, I expected it to go almost Mission Impossible. Like this was like a testing ground for the next one. But then mm. it got really serious. And I was like, wow, you could have switched out Tom Cruise with Robert Redford here. And it would have been just as as strong uh you know as a as a character in a movie and the cast is just so so fantastic good. yeah he has i think and we don't we we've talked about this on other episodes you know tom cruise isn't always for all of his strengths as a movie star and an actor he's not always the best at mining chemistry and i while i don't think he has amazing chemistry with rosamund pike i do think he and david oyelowo have amazing adversarial chemistry in this movie uh, in their scenes, there's a lot of great, like little, just tit for tat, tense kind of jokey scenes uh, between the two of them, and it helps because the minute, the minute, uh, you know, the minute Cruz pulls up to the the crime scene in the in the car, and Oyelowo sees him, and he suspects Reacher, and he pulls the gun on him, and then the car chase ensues. It just the minute they look at each other after their few scenes that you've seen them have together, you're like, oh shit, like it's gonna go down, and it's like a really good, uh, yeah, I don't know, it just it just works really well. But to your point, Richie, I think that's a great observation that yeah, like. I think he's good in this movie and I think it totally works. But yeah, I think the nature of the movie, it doesn't need to be him. I think you could almost probably I, I would say maybe other than obviously his abilities as a physical performer, which are very helpful, hmm. um, especially in the driving scenes, because he's actually driving the car or things like that. The sequence with the bats in the bathtub and things like that, like the, all that's great. But um, it, but yeah. it's, it's also good how he sort of he let these fantastic actors do their thing and do it around him. Like, yeah, he he was stoic. He was the tough guy. And you have these just, you know, Richard Jenkins, like you have these fantastic actors uh, Duval, just doing say. their oh, thing. Yeah. And Robert, he doesn't Robert try Duval, to like, yeah. oh, like he doesn't overshadow that in any mm. way. Like they're they're just fantastic. Robert Duvall, his stuff with Robert Duvall, Robert Duvall steals those scenes. Yeah. And, and he's so likable and and it, fantastic. It's, and it's helpful too, because that's the, you know, it's like the nice uh Days of Thunder reunion. Right. Um, I was trying to think what which the movie is, was. Which is of kind of which is kind of fun. That's a movie. Uh, it's not very good, but I have a soft spot for it. Do you like Days of Thunder, Richie Flippy? I, I I do I do yeah it's been a long time since I've seen it yeah. coal it, trickle I mean we all yeah. where coal trickles we all trickle that's yeah, what I would say yeah. um but yeah I, don't, I, I do don't... have to I do have to point out the one thing with Robert Duvall's character <laughs> the over the topness of his earplugs being oh yeah bullet oh, shell being cases. bullet shells sure <laughs> I know I that I I'm wondering I don't the remember that his eyes I don't thing, remember so that yeah. being a detail in the book so I'm wondering like. That feels like a Macquarie, like or the Duvall. Oh, maybe. Actually. I mean, you know, yeah. people forget Robert Duvall is a good director. I mean, he. Oh right, yeah. 
He directed, I want to say, I think I'm right on this. He directed The Apostle, which he's very good in him and Farrah Fawcett. Um, he directed Assassination Tango, which is an interesting movie. And then more recently, the stuff he's directed, maybe not quite as good. Wild Horses isn't a very good movie, even though even though my, my king, Josh Hartnett's in it. Um, but... Um, yeah, I haven't like, heard Josh Harnett's name in a oh, long dude, time. Oh, dude, well, then you haven't been listening yeah, haven't to this podcast, bro. No, I'm just bro. kidding. <laughs> uh, but, um, no, but, like, um, you never worked with Josh Harnett, Richie, did you? No. In your, no. In your Hollywood days? No. no. Um, I would have told you. We well, would have stopped, well, we stopped the cruise Podcast right is now. over. Like, uh, a Harnett yeah. talk <laughs> begins now. No, so, uh, here's the thing about Reacher, and then we can kind of pivot, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think the thing now that it's 10 years on about the first Jack Reacher is it is extremely rewatchable in a way yeah. that I think when me and Connor first watched it in theaters, we didn't, I didn't think so. Like I remember yeah. when I, we first watched it, I kind of thought like, Oh, this is a little dark. Like I kind of remember walking out being like, eh, yeah, this is okay. But it's kind of a little nasty. Like, I don't know that I liked seeing Tom Cruise in that kind of in that wavelength now granted since then and we'll talk about oblivion he does he's done that i think one of his modes and even his ethan even his like the brooding ethan hawk that you kind of more ethan hunt. in these more ethan hunt ethan hawk shout out yeah. ethan hunt <laughs> um you 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 get more of that as he's got older and i think that's honestly like him tightening the governor as a movie star if i'm being sure, honest yeah, where yeah. he's kind of knows where his bread is buttered and he's like let me be brooding let me focus on the stunts. Right. I get it. But this was a little bit the beginning of that. Yeah. And I think now that you're in that mode with Cruz for better or worse, this play, this movie, the first Jack Reacher plays better. And even just memorable lines like and that's like that's a McCory thing of like, you know, his banter with the young woman um at the bar, which is Mario's, which is a bar down on, on in the strip yeah, down yeah. in Pittsburgh. We'll go to Mario's tonight. Dude, we could literally go to Mario's tonight as just shout out. Tell, tell my wife, my wife, yeah. Yeah, all, the old haunts, all the old haunts. But um, literally, like those scenes are better than they need to be because the dialogue exchange yeah. is just a little better. And to right? Richie's point, like Macquarie as a direct, like he, you know, he populates the frame with like good character actors. And yeah, good, and even you that know. young girl, we don't know who's that. We don't know at the time. She's yeah. a very capable young actor. Even like. Um, I think it's Dylan. Is it Dylan Tussman? Dylan Cussman, from I believe. Way of the Gun. From Way of the who, Gun, who's like a long time. He's from, Gary, the manager. And yeah. he's from he's from uh, Dead Poets Society. Right? Oh, he's, right. He's yeah, the yeah, sniveling yeah. Uh, snitch from yeah. Dead Poets Society. Um, he's an old time McCoy friend. That truck he's has gr- Gary written all over. Yeah, he's great yeah. in that scene. Like little things like that matter. Yeah. Um, Agreed. And I think it all comes together. Yeah. And I just you know look, we'll talk about the sequel in part uh, three. Um, and you know, you can almost see. You can see the pros and cons of some of the decisions made and even, frankly, the book they adapted um, in the sequel, right? And how kind of they're just very different. Yeah, and obviously, you know, Edswick being a totally different director from Macquarie. But um, as, a, as a film, Macquarie, the tone in Jack Reacher is it's, it's very even. It's very amped up and intense, but it's very even mm. throughout the whole thing. Like it's yeah. a, it's a well put together movie well yeah. richie you've di- you've directed features so like well, as a as a director like when yeah that's not easier right I, you'd agree right like like i think that's almost an underrated thing that's not talked about and it's actually it's actually good you brought it up like maintaining tone is like that's as much as any other part of a movie the director's job and that's not easy right i mean what do you um, what's your thoughts uh, as yeah. someone who's done uh, it 
I, I mean, it's very easy to have like a style, right? So you have like an, a big style or an actiony style, but like hitting the right tone and sticking with it and mm. scene to scene having that consistency throughout, it just, it pulls you in. So yeah. I felt like I was pulled into Jack Reacher more than I would have if it was shifting all over the place. Sure. If there was something like huge happening and then it wasn't followed up by something that like, you know, kept sort of pulling it forward. So like, like you said, like that, that awesome opening sequence, it it sort of carried out throughout it and it, and they didn't shy away. They didn't like try to infuse comedy where it wasn't needed. You're totally right. Uh, I, I feel yeah. like he, he, he just got to the point in this movie where like he, he made it work. And I think that lends to, you know, the movies he's been making since. I mean, McCory's awesome. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a great point about the opening sequence, just about the, the ballsiness of putting it out there and to for the almost the specific purpose of setting the tone, right? Like just to be like, Hey, like we're about to murder some innocent people. And like, if that's not the thing you're up for, like you can turn it off or you can leave the theater or whatever. And it's, there's a, there's a commitment to the, to the, yeah, it's, it, I think the, the biggest part of what you just mentioned, I think is the commitment to kind of carry it through, which is, is huge. And I'll just, the last thing I just wanted to say, cause it's just a general observation I have every time I rewatch this movie is, you know, if you're not familiar with the source material, I mean, they're, you know, they're airport paperbacks. They're, yes. you know, and it's, and not, no, no, no. And I'm, was, not, I'm not trying to discount it. I'm they're not. They're the best, in my opinion, I've read a few of them, of like different versions. At, it, that's not a knock. I'm just saying like, these are, these Michael are. Conley, well, Michael Conley wishes is what I'm saying. <laughs> no, oh, no, no, and that's, I'm not, that's not a knock. It's, it's, I mean, look, we love those, these that we love that subgenre and mm. subset of things on this podcast. It's more just to say, and this is a compliment to Macquarie, like it's the kind of material that like in a lesser person's hands uh. would be ho-hum and whatever. And like someone would put it on some, as some bullshit on Netflix yeah, yeah, and like yeah, yeah. two people would watch it and it wouldn't be very good. But like Chris Macquarie makes it and it's like now Lossy. this sort of, yeah hard-edged genre you know mini masterpiece of like that of the subgenre Action, right yeah. yeah like a good yeah. i mean this is like totally two different types of movies but you know what is a similar kind of a, a thing when you t talk about source material and a better movie and every this is, every david fincher movie. well well yeah, yeah yeah well yeah but but and this is obviously this is a i, I can give you david fincher stories yeah. too oh, please Ooh. but 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 i was gonna say you know, Mario Puzo's The Godfather, the book, is sure. a good book. Okay, it's a good book. But if you read it, it's like a trashy yeah. gangster book. I like it. I, I recently reread re 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 it. But, you know, Puzo's, you know, his whole thing, it's like very kind of like, you know, it's like a little, um, what's the word? It's like a little naughty, right? Like yeah, his, yeah, yeah. the way he writes. It's like kind of like Lurid. That. Lurid, lurid. Yeah. That's the word. Yeah. Thank you. Lurid. Exactly. And then Coppola takes that and makes this like generational American <laughs> kind of, you know, <laughs> literally like our, you know, it's like our, an American, it's like our great American novel version of a movie that yeah. we still 50 years later kind of revere as, as well we should. Obviously Jack Reacher is not at that level, but it's a similar thing what you're talking about where you're taking this kind of very capable paperback airport novel which you know look like i said lee child i think is very much in the style of john d mcdonald where it's like sure these are great 
serial crime novels. They should not be discounted. But yes, there's a yeah. formula. And I think Bokori is taking that, putting his own spin on it. And that spin feels a bit more kind of concrete, purposeful, and kind of, um, you know, maybe not, there's not, you know, there's longevity to the novels, but like will last a long time. Similar to Fincher with Girl with the Dragon Dead 2, Gone Girl, yeah. you know, Fight Club to some degree as well. I mean, Social Network even to a different, like, sure. different, yeah, that's different, a different genre, a different thing, right, but just thing. taking a book that's like, eh, what did, give us and, one and Fincher. Get, yeah, give us a uh, quick Richie, Fincher before we, to, before we, we jump into Oblivion. Okay, so... Uh, uh, so I worked on uh, the third round of reshoots for uh, for Zodiac. Ooh, did you which, go on? I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we should yeah, put I you know. in touch. Oh, we, on, man. we should put you in touch with our buddy Blake. <laughs> our Howard. buddy Blake does a Zodiac podcast. <laughs> yeah. anyway, keep going. We'll vet I, it here. We'll vet and, it here. I, and I'll just so and and there was some amazing stuff on that set, which you know is neither here nor there. But there's this one standout moment, and every time I see it in the movie, I I, I have to like just take a long pause. So we did regular like 18 hour days on that. And there was one day that was, you know, around 20 hours, but I'll never forget. There's this shot of it's an overhead of hands and it's turning a piece of paper slightly. And we did like 96 takes of that. That's Fincher, oh baby. That, that one paper turn. Do you remember what's like, the, know, when like, in the movie You're on set it? and you know, it's going to be beautiful. You know, it's going to be yeah. polished. But at the same time, it's just like, it, it's you a could, little brutal. You couldn't get it in '95, David. What? But he would he would be going, and he'd and he'd be like, okay, save takes twenty two to twenty eight, you know, uh, and like he would be like archiving and like knowing which ones could work, right? And it, it, it's amazing to see, but he just he, it just kept going, and it was like wow. So like I I, I get the per like everything in his movies is perfect like right right like every yeah, shot yeah. is sure. so specific to what he's thinking yeah. and he will keep going until he gets that well his great quote in one of the commentaries is he's like my opinion is there's only one or two ways to shoot a scene and the way i don't shoot it is wrong right <laughs> like just something like that i love yeah. it but um yeah i mean i, can I can throw back one more yeah. uh of, of the uh, for jack reacher please so sure just, so to, to build on what you were saying, Dan, I think because this is McQuarrie's like own version of it, Tom Cruise really works in this version of Agreed. it, which is, and I think yeah, totally. one thing that like, just as I've been getting older as such a huge film fan is I like different versions of adaptations. I like when a TV show can take a book and do its own thing with a character that looks like he's pulled from the book or a movie can cast someone that likes make you make you step back and be like, how will he be in this movie? And then it also like in this case uh, works. And even with remakes for me, if a remake is doing something new with new people in a new generation, I I'm all for that. It doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't change the book. You still read the book and you can have that seven foot, you know, athletic person. So like, I think this version of Jack Reacher worked really well totally. with Tom Cruise. Yeah. And I think to your point, right. The, the prime show is an, is a great example of it where it's like, it's probably closer to the book. It's a little trashier than, you know, the Macquarie and even the Zwick movies. Um, and like, but that's great. It's fun. You know, it's, it's like its very th- yeah. it's its own thing. It's its own thing. There's room. Yeah. There's room totally for it. room. We no. can, like, totally room. You know, we have a few years someone wants to do an over the top comedic version of Jack Reacher. I'll watch it. I'll watch it. Hell yeah, I'll watch it too. So I'll so this is our last movie, um, Oblivion, what's we said, directed by Kaczynski. Um I'll I'll set it up. I'll be brief. You know, it this is a you know, kind of 
high concept sci-fi premise, original idea, though it's like very recycled, you know, very recycled from kind of any name, any sci-fi property. And like they're, they're pulling a little bit from, you know, Kaczynski's pulling a little bit from a lot. Um, you have this guy, Jack Harper, who is overseeing basically drone maintenance from the kind of upper, upper stratosphere um, of an earth that has been uh, decimated, right? So as we understand at the beginning of this movie, there are no humans anymore. They're like these two maintenance workers who appear to be human, and that's uh, Tom Cruise and Andrew Reesborough, and they're basically up in this ship in the sky, and uh, Andrea Reesborough's character, you know, she's doing operations on the ship and Jack zips down, Tom Cruise zips down to like repair drones that are basically scanning the earth for like threats and what have you. And like, I, I suppose human life as well, right? That's the whole thing. And they have this, they, they have this um, kind of, Melissa Leo plays this person called Sally who they're reporting to who's like up on the ship yeah, like an administrator. The earth, yeah, right. Yeah. And they're always yeah. reporting to her every day. And the beginning of the movie is kind of like Tom Cruise's I Am Legend, right? He's bopping around, he's checking stuff out, he's repairing drones, and he's got this little secret alcove where he, he plays records, and it's like there's a lake. Yeah, hidden he's away. got like a secret because you know the idea is it's sort a little Wally-ish, obviously. Yeah, exactly, and it's kind of you know the idea is they don't they kind of try not to like dwell on the past too much or whatever, but he's a very Jack Harper is a very nostalgic guy. Like he, he wear, you know, when he gets down to the surface, he puts on a Yankee cap. But the cap coolest thing, and, and I'll like, say this. You know. So here's the thing about this movie. I think it's basically a very successful movie. I think this is also aged really well. At the time, it didn't get great reviews. It kind of underperformed at the box office, like we talked about. Yeah, Morgan Freeman's also in it. Nicholas Co- uh, Nikolai Costa-Waldo has a little role. Um, uh, I think Zoe, what's her name from uh, the Great Stunt Woman from uh, uh, Zoe Bell. Zoe, Zoe Bell, Bell yep. is in it too for a little bit. A little bit. Uh, Olga Kurilenko also. We don't need to spoil this. I guess it kind of. I think we can half spoil it because I sure. do think it's crucial to like the crew's performance. Well, what I, yeah, what I like about so if you if you haven't seen it and you want to see it, I will. We will just say. Stop. This is our last movie. You can stop listening now yeah, and yeah. watch come the back. movie and yeah. come back. So exactly. You've been so, so, so the, I think the thing about this is my opinion. The thing about this movie that I like is all the little things are really impressive. Right. So like yeah. the thing about Kaczynski is he's he's a design first director. Right. So Tron Legacy, the Disney movie. Not a great script, right? Maybe not the greatest performances, but as a piece of like, as like production design, a piece as of visual cinema, design, it's amazing. As, as yeah. cinematography, yeah. incredible. I recently uh, rewatched it. Kind of a stunning with the Daft Punk score. Like oh, yeah. it's a very like yeah. stunning yeah. sequences that you're very much like, oh yeah, he was kind of ahead of this like clean. Like it's kind of funny, like. He really, there's like even this clean architecture, like like we were talking, LaGuardia, for example, just sure. got redesigned yeah. the airport in yeah. uh, Queens, New York. And when I was traveling for work and I, it's I a landed, little bit oblivion. I was like, yeah, yeah this is oblivion. Of, little... There's a cleanness. Yeah, and there's yeah. like a clean antiseptic nature to this that feels very weirdly comforting, which maybe sp- kind of speaks to the doom we're authoring for ourselves. But like, but like, it feels comforting because it's clean and neat and. You feel like in a weird way, Kaczynski was almost ahead of it. And like, and even well, with he at Maverick, least understands why it's comforting. Yeah. yeah. And, and Maverick has a lot of that too, which obviously is, you know, still in theaters as we're recording. And so that's his whole thing. And mm-hmm. this is his second movie. Um, and 
that all of that's great. All the design stuff's great. The M M83 kind of provides a lot of the score for this film. That was a time when that was a common thing too. Very like, common, but they yeah. do a great job actually. Yeah, it's a great not score. unlike the Daft Punk score for for Tron Legacy. And um, I think you get a similar performance with Tom Cruise, not unlike Reacher. It's kind of a very stoic type of thing. Though what I was going to more sensitive. Ini- what I was yeah. going to say initially is what I like about the character is his nostalgia is comes from nowhere, right? Because yeah. he has no memories. You kind of understand he has this like limited concept of who he is, and his nostalgia is just like this general gathered. I understand there was a people who once played football and baseball and read books and listened to music, and yeah. that must have been great. No, and I, I really yeah. like that Agreed. a lot. Actually, Agreed. and I'll let Connor. No, no, no. I was just saying, yeah, I agree. And I, yeah, there's a there. I'm gonna meet you kind of halfway. I think this is two thirds of a very successful sure. movie. No, I get that. And I think the last third is kind of where it falls apart. You mentioned Morgan. Fuck you, Sally. Yeah, you mentioned Fuck Morgan Freeman. Like Sally. when more, I, I honestly think like when Morgan Freeman kind of comes into it is where it starts to peter out a little but and this is where i'll get into slight spoiler spoiler territory right, with it. Sell, yeah. um but there are zones you know there there's sort of a contamination zone that has cleared that tom cruise and andrew reesborough are like assigned to survey mm. and they don't go into the other zones because they're dangerous and contaminated and whatever and Eventually, what happens at one point? He, got, he has got to go. Cruz, Cruz has to go because he's getting chased by drones and he's getting shot. It's a pretty cool sequence, actually. Um, very Star Warsy. To your point before, like, I, yeah, this movie's very much like sci-fi cinema one hundred and one, well, where it kind of pulls and, from like uh, you know two thousand one well, and, it's and funny Star Wars Maverick and, because yeah. Maverick has like a full on. Well, the, the plot, the whole third act of Maverick is, is a new hope. Well, you know? <laughs> no, but it's funny because there's a whole the whole sequence in Oblivion is a new hope. So oh, right, because he's going through yeah. the, the so cliffs and whatever. Just being yeah. like, you know how the, Look, the Kessel or what is it called? What do the, they do? The trench run, the yeah, Death sure, Star whatever. trench run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 What is Star Wars? Um, <laughs> no, but it is go very see much. A, what is the Arrested Development? Which oh, he's okay. like, here's some money. Go see a Star Wars. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but it's, I will say it. Say calling it like a 101 thing isn't necessarily a knock. Like. It's Kaczynski's good at it. Like he's well, capable. Let me give and you, even can if I give he's you a real from things, can I give you, you know? a real life example of, of why it's not a knock? My brother, Sam Mecca, shout out, is not, oh, nearly a decade younger than me, right? right? He watched Oblivion, I think, with me or kind of whatever. Yeah. It was an early, he was young, he was a kid. Yeah. It was an early sci fi movie for him. That, that Oblivion kind of sparked him. You know, he had seen Star Wars, obviously, but it sparked him Let to me discover check out like 2001, 2001, and, yeah, yeah. other movies that yeah. this movie's pulling from. And it's like, yeah, whatever. That's what the art is for. It's, for. Yeah, right? it's like, yeah, watch Oblivion. You're going to love Oblivion forever. And yeah, you'll learn that it's derivative, but not in your life. Who fucking cares? Yeah, right, you like right, it. Right. Good. Like, go yeah. watch the other movies. Like, yeah. read Solaris. Watch yeah. the Solaris movies. Yeah. Like, you know, discover like, you know, um, you know, and then and then, you know, the beauty of the genres and Richie, I know you you feel this way because you love love these types of things. You, you know, take the sci fi, pop into fantasy, pop into superhero films, you know, yeah, read yeah, comic like, books, like, you yeah, know, take use it as a jumping off point. Yeah. It's like we don't need to, like, ridicule these movies for being derivative. We can call it what it is, no. but it's like. For someone like my brother, it's like it can be a jumping off point, yeah. you know. It's and I like, think, I think, yeah, like the so 
one of the things it's derivative of, and this is the minor spoiler, kind of for both movies. So if you haven't seen the movie Moon, Sallow, 120 days. Oh. <laughs> if you haven't seen the movie Moon, you can also oh, stop. You right, can also Moon. stop listening because I'm about to spoil Moon. that movie too. But basically, Jack Harper makes his way into the Forbidden Zone or whatever, and he winds up getting confronted by another version of himself. What? And he f- he fights that version of himself and whatever. It's a fun sequence, and again, it's it, there's a novelty to it if you like Tom Cruise, where it's that Cruise on Cruise fight, fight himself, whatever, yeah. you know, sure. Um, and it, this is admittedly where the movie starts to kind of you're like, eh, I don't know about this, but okay. Um, it, it becomes a different movie. Yes, uh, at that point, a hundred feels like it's a new movie. A hundred percent. And one of the things it tees up that I do think is the most effective thing in the movie, and the like, maybe the best part of Cruz's performance yeah I agree with this. is the whole thing in the first part of the movie is that he and Andrea Riesboro they keep using the phrase they're an effective team right they just they work well together they you know whatever and it's and they're not you know they're not just co-workers they are like cohabitating right like so they're they're basically romantic partners life partners that whole thing and they're very you know they work very well together and there's a whole sort of sequence in the beginning of the movie that kind of you know you get that right and Clearly, that's something that Jack Harper, uh, you know, values and wants, right? The companionship. So he ultimately goes back after realizing this revelation that they are not alone and they are perhaps like clones. He goes back to his assigned station with with that version of Andrea Riesboro. And it kind of all falls apart and he has to go on the run. But what he winds up doing is he goes to the other station where there's the other Andrea Riesboro. And he has this, it's the best scene in the movie, in my opinion. He has this beautiful moment of like quiet despair where he gets there and he tries to like see in her eyes that like, oh, maybe, yeah, like, maybe this is different. Maybe she's still the same person. Maybe this is fine. And she's just like vacant. There's like nothing there. And he realizes like, oh, no, this is all like a ruse and it's programmed. And he just has this like moment of quiet despair that to me, I it's like on every time I rewatch the movie, I'm like uh, this. It, it doesn't always work, but like it really pops off. And yeah. um, and yeah, I the, from there, you know, there are other humans that get introduced in the form of like a rebellion led by Morgan Freeman. And that's where I think the movie kind of starts to lose me. Well, but, yeah, I think the thing that, yeah, young, I think because think Kaczynski struggled with early on that he kind of, I think, has remedied as he's gotten uh, more experience as a filmmaker is like the building of the world. Yeah. He, I think, in both Legacy and Oblivion, they don't feel like full worlds mm. um, as much as they are beautifully designed. They feel vacant, literally vacant. And then in which his, helps for oblivion, kind of, I guess, like, but not yeah. not the rebellion part. Yeah. And then only the brave, which is a basically a masterpiece, in my opinion. And then um, and obviously Top Gun Maverick, there's none of that. And even Spiderhead, which is on Netflix, is a nifty movie. I keep saying nifty, but I mean, it is a nice little movie that kind of doesn't suffer from that because it's meant to be this very st- uh, kind of solitary I won't spoil it but it's based on a George Saunders short story it's a pretty pretty cool movie um Richie oblivion thoughts 
please. Yeah, so so I was going to say Oblivion came out at the exact wrong time for me. Sure. So I, I, I had a one-year-old, and you know when you have your first kid and the first year, it's it's like you're in this like you know, uh, days and fog. Sure. I have no recollection of this movie coming out. I, I don't <laughs> yeah, remember the funny. trailer. But dude, you know, I mean, honestly, you and everybody else. I felt like Tom Cruise <laughs> yeah. in the movie. Like he's <laughs> rediscovering this movie and I'm like trying to remember it. And I, I'm there with you, him throughout that whole process you like, realize you're standing on the empire state building that. you're like oh my god i'm like getting flashes of like did i see an ad on sunset boulevard maybe a poster on this building and like i, I i'm right there with him but uh i i enjoyed it i yeah. I, I think like i loved tron legacy sure. i in my head while i watched it didn't put together the fact that this was the same director of tron tron legacy sure. or top gun maverick right. like that wasn't in my head and i'm like oh this reminds me a lot of that tron movie that i really enjoyed <laughs> right. and then when i like finally uh, when i pieced it together that the, like the same guy did all three of these movies which i should as a film fan know this stuff but no but I, sure, yeah, yeah, i yeah. didn't piece that together this movie is the perfect transition movie for a filmmaker to go from tron legacy to this and then Maverick, uh, Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Tron Legacy is all style, and it's yeah. a fantastic style. They even made a roller coaster on it, and it's one of the best rides in any Disney uh, park that you can uh, that you can find. Uh, but it like the character there's there's like this there's some soul missing from it which mm -hmm. the original Tron had that Legacy didn't really have. Sure. Uh, and then this, which is. Uh, tone like just to go back to our conversation the tone is all over the place it feels like three movies yeah that's a great that point stuck together and then maverick like top gun maverick is fantastic it has the perfect tone style like 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 exactly. you're saying the world building like it's an extension of the world that we we're familiar with but used in a brand new way and like i i feel like without this without oblivion we wouldn't have gotten Top Gun Maverick, we I, just wouldn't have gotten there. Yeah, agreed. And I, I have you seen Richie? Have you seen only the Brave, the the like wildfire fighter movie that he made? It's with I have not, but it, now I want to. You know, now check, I want to. You should check it out. out. It's very good. It's the good. thing about and we talked about only the Brave on our Taylor Kitsch episode, but so I won't go too much into it. But it, it's interesting that you say that because I do think it is a fascinating step from kind of this and only the brave to top gun because only the brave as a as a narrative structure kind of feels like top gun but for like wildfire fighters just in terms of like mm -hmm. the way the characters are kind of portrayed and any character elements that are almost missing from this movie are there in that movie and so it does feel like then when you just follow that trajectory to top gun maverick it's yeah. like the perfect amalgam of Joe Kaczynski's career up to up to that point. But um, he makes stunning looking movies he, like this. Oblivion looks fantastic. Yeah. Looked as polished as like Minority Report. Yeah. Agreed, uh, the agreed. Sky Tower stuff, the mm -hmm. like the the clouds and weather around the Sky Tower. And even just, just yeah, the gen, even the yeah, the general sort of design, like the the sky pool. Right. That's like all glass underneath. And like, you know, yeah, just, the ship, like, I mean, the ship's designs themselves are, are kind very, of original enough, I think. And, very cool. And the flight yeah. stuff. I feel like we can see what then becomes top gun totally. in this like yeah. when he's flying through the air and that's a large portion of uh of this movie yeah 
it just it works like he's he's effective in and I, that and i think part of that too is um when this movie came out i remember it was like you know because it's a very heavy cg movie so it's not as much like your typical tom cruise is doing his own stunts kind of sure. movie but i do remember the one thing they kind of highly publicized on social media and the behind the scenes was that cruise was like very involved in the design process of like the controls and cockpit of the ship that he flies because they, they so, so he and kaczynski right uh he and kaczynski and you know all the entire design team like worked very intimately to make it feel like that was a real thing that could work and fly and and all that so I, but this was also one of the early movies that used projections instead of right. green screen. Yeah, yeah, so like yeah. the, the tower, they built the tower and all the glass and everything. And then they were projecting around it, which is why going, it looks which so great shows. <laughs> yeah, it holds up. Yeah, like, it's, it's great. Uh, I would have believed this came out, you know, last year. If yeah. I, you know, if if it didn't say <laughs> twenty what twenty thirteen, yeah, I mean it's it. yeah, it's all it's almost yeah, like ten said, years I, old at this point. I, I think guess. it's aged well. I think you know that Kaczynski had. You know, Kaczynski himself has aged well, like we're talking about. So I think that all helps, right? Where it's like you now he's become a director that we're now all, you know, to some larger degree, we want to know what he's going to do next. Yeah, he's like becoming a little bit of a household name. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, Maverick's so big that now, you know, someone like my mom might know who Joseph Kaczynski is, right? Because it's like, oh, who did that movie? Like, what's he doing next? Yeah. So I think that's all exciting. I think... Yeah, there's not much more to say about Oblivion. No. I do think it's yeah, like a, as a piece of entertainment, it works. I we I think we're all in agreement. Tonally, kind of suffers. The ending is a bit of a fumble. Uh, there's kind of no getting around that. But there are images you'll remember forever. And uh, I think he yeah. By the time only the brave is the big step up in my opinion, and then Kaczynski, everything yeah. since for Kaczynski, and then everything since has been pretty pretty great. Um, and for Cruz. That one scene with Reesboro, wonderful. You know, other than that, not some amazing performance, but certainly, you know, I think another thing with Oblivion is you get such a fun, nuanced performance in Edge of Tomorrow a few years later. Sure. You can also mm-hmm. see this is Tom dipping into the sci-fi. You know, he hadn't really done sci-fi before this, if you think other about than it. My, other than Minority other than my Report. Minority Report. Maybe, and yeah. I guess... And Minority Report the War, is just I guess War, War fantastic. And War of the Worlds. Yeah, his two like Spielbergs he, are basically masterful. I mean, yeah, you know, I agree. So. I like sci-fi Tom Cruise. I mean, I, I think so I. in that element, like, he, he can fits. really he excel. Fits. And yeah, he fits. you question less, how is his hair so perfect sure. the exactly. time yeah, when it's yeah. a sci-fi world? I mean, it makes perfect... Exactly. It makes the most sense in this movie, right? Because you're like... He's a club, right? Yeah, he's yeah, like literally spoiler. built in yeah. a factory, yeah. so... <laughs> but, but yeah, no, totally. And I totally agree with that. And I think he's basically... I mean, I guess... The mummy, there's fantasy, I suppose, and that I, you know, I know a lot of people don't don't like that one, but but I mean, we'll get know, to we'll get to that. we'll get to that. Yeah. Legend is fantasy. <laughs> I'm a pretty big defender of legend, Agreed. but I guess that was also kind of another flop. So I guess maybe fa- I guess Tom, stay away from fantasy, but sci-fi, yeah. sci-fi, sci-fi, and tomorrow, right? I mean, great. like live, die, repeat, baby. Yeah. He, yeah, he should keep making the sci-fi and definitely stay away from <laughs> the fantasy. Yeah, fantasy yeah. has not worked as well for sure. Yeah. Um, Richie, so let's, as we're wrapping up here, give me, us, give everybody, what are your, what are like Tom, what are your Tom Cruise favorites? And they can, you know, if they're the normal ones, that's totally fine. But what are the ones, what are the ones you find yourself going back to all the time for Tom? 
I mean, uh, well, I, I, I have to start with the original Top Gun, sure. which is one of those defining movies of of my childhood. Sure, sure. Uh, my nickname growing up was Goose, no. uh, G-O-O-Z. <laughs> and the reason it Wait, was why? Goose is because <laughs> I couldn't pronounce Goose Oh my correctly. God, stop it. So... So it was like when you were young, so I started young, calling young. myself Goose. Yeah, so I started calling myself Goose because I was only three when that God came bless out. God bless you. Bless you. Uh, and and it and it stuck all the way through until like college. Everyone called what? me Goose that whole time I because love I that. couldn't pronounce Goose. So <laughs> oh my it was like God, Top Gun and Karate Kid were two of those like big sure. movies that I would act out. I would like be flying all over my house, and uh, one of my pillows would you know inevitably die in a you know uh <laughs> hey your pillow was a, your was your accident. second seat there that would uh yeah not yeah, make yeah. it through the canopy so. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so that that one and then i like i feel like you know he, he he did so many great movies in that time span right from uh you know from like 83 to you know nine you know the the 90s but like the movie that i always go back to which stands out to me which i think like for me, it's one of his best films. It's it's uh, it's cocktail. Wow! It's just, Hell yeah. it's, you, it, you're it's on the right fun. podcast. Hell it's, yeah, buddy! It's it's surprising. It it works on every level. So yeah, it's not his like a few good men, but like it's a, it's just an amazing movie. And even me as a kid who watched it, probably way too young to yeah, really well, get it all. It just well, was can very I Richie, Can I tell you something? I know we we know you love Disney, and what I love about that is that's a Touchstone movie, baby. So oh, yeah. you're you're a company you're, man down yeah. the line. You're like, dude, Tommy made a Touchstone movie. I love Disney. I love his Disney movie cocktail. And you know what we do and too. That, and was, me, me, and me and Connor both love cocktail. And I'll say the just as a weird you're just sort greasing of side you're tangent. just greasing the wheels to try and get on the Gerard Butler part two episode. That's what you're well, doing. Well, no, he's already he's on. Obviously, who else is gonna be on? I, I would unless we can get Gerard. Unless we can get that. Gerard, and uh, then obviously Jerry B. Open invitation. But after all the damage I did with the Gerard Butler poll and my, you know, uh, and my bringing in his fan clubs into the mix, it took what seventy plus episodes to 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 be welcomed on. Oh, that's, that's right. true. Yeah, that well, was now, what it was, Richie. It was well, now with that. the cocktail select, you've got. Yeah, it, you've earned your your stripes. We're good. We're good. So <laughs> I will say my biggest disappointment with Tom Cruise yes. in any movie was. So Mission Impossible, 1996. Sure. I'm going into theater. I'm so excited. The, the TV series. Sure. You know, if you watch the trailer for the original Mission Impossible, like the crew's all there. Emilio Estevez, Mike oh, Ducks is, yeah, is yeah. going to be on the screen. And then they, they just like in the first three minutes, they wipe out anything that you knew about Mission Impossible and poor Emilio Estevez. It, I will and say. going to totally different direction. Yeah. yeah. So it's you could not do it now. Agreed. Like so, so that was a Tom Cruise request, right? When he was working on it with Sidney Pollack, before because Pollack ended up leaving, but um, off the firm, he was going to do it with Pollack. Pollack ultimately was kind of like, "This is too much movie for me," and he kind of walked, is, is how the story goes. And he brought in De Palma, and obviously Town Robert Town was working on drafts along with Kep and whatever. An early request from Cruise was he was like, "I want to make this my franchise." So let's get rid of the team. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was like, let's take this property. What was the heart? Yeah. 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 Which I think, but now I love it. I would argue though, the franchise. Yeah, exactly. It it, it has now become what it was originally. It it is funny too. I mean, we, we don't need to go too deep down the rabbit hole. Um, 
of Mission Impossible because obviously they're not B-sides. But it is funny, too, that like, yeah, like he does what you're talking about with Mission Impossible 1. Then Mission Impossible 2, like, is a James Bond movie. Oh, it's movie. literally There's John like, who's like, yeah. I'm just going to make my James Bond movie, which I really like Mission yeah, Impossible yeah. 2. I, I have a fondness for it as well. Yeah, I agree. But it's not. It's like crazy. But you yeah. are, it, it's, you're right to say that, Richie, because it is that that almost, it, from even the teamwork aspect of it, is the low point. And then slowly, each consecutive movie MI3, seems to... you kind of have J.J. bring, it's like a, we were talking about, it's like yeah. you get a sitcom-y kind of a like, it's good. I don't love MI3, but it's like, the teams there, you get Maggie Q, right? Yeah. It was Johnny needed. Myers. Yeah, it, it was, was a great. Maggie Mission Q, I do wish be had where it was now sustained. So I, yeah, I, yeah. I agree. Yeah, but um, and then, yeah, and then um, anyway. So as we wrap up, Richie, tell us a few because you got a lot of things always going on, and obviously we work with you, so we know some of them. But plug a few of your things. Obviously, we mentioned the Eve at the start, but tell us about the Eve, your film. Tell us about. A couple other things we know you have going on um, because you know you're you're a multi hyphenate, as we said. Hey, that, that that sounds good to me. So I, I'm glad to be able to come on this uh, show and promote The Eve, a movie that I made ten years ago. <laughs> we actually we just uh, just this January got released on uh, on YouTube directly to watch for free, which was a oh, awesome. cool step. Because before that, it was you know it was on like Tubi and Amazon Prime and iTunes, but now it, I feel like. Anyone that wants to watch it can, can watch can it and find they can watch it somewhere. It for free. Yeah, sure. That's great. Uh, it's 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 a movie that takes place around New Year's Eve. A few friends go to the the the, the small middle of nowhere island of Martha's Vineyard <laughs> <laughs> to uh, to celebrate. But they actually they go deep in the in the woods in Martha's Vineyard, and whatever can go wrong when you're in the middle of the woods does go wrong. So you can uh, you can watch that on YouTube. You could also you could. Uh, you can follow my family uh, adventures on Instagram at Hello Sweetie Pies. Uh, we, you know, we love theme parks, uh, you know, Disneyland, Universal, Halloween Horror Nights, and uh, we, uh, yeah, we, we we have fun. So you can find us on Instagram, and you there. make and sell amazing baked goods. Oh, via, yeah. via. So that's. Uh... That, well, that's that's, that's 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 all my wife. I am the official good, taste though. tester, but she is the uh, look. The that's important. Baker. How would They're we good. know how good the brookies are if if you don't taste test them? You know, hell yeah. So, that, that is very true. And you can find me directly on uh, on Twitter, where I do all of my campaigning for the uh, B side polls. <laughs> I am <laughs> RS the Pit. It's like two of my old nicknames just smushed together. What so, happened to uh, Goose? How are you not at Goose? Dude? Goose is probably taken. So well, that, that, well, of course that was my aim name. Oh, Goose of zero three. Of course was it my was. aim. <laughs> but now I'm blocked out of that, so I have to go in a different direction. I love it. I love it. I've been so boring my whole life. It was always DJ Max or DJ Mecca. My whole life, it's just yeah, never mine changed. Have usually been some I, combination of my initials or something. Yeah, but. you keep it. Keep, yeah, the when you have DJ, right? When you have the DJ, it just becomes <laughs> right. Yeah, it just becomes the friggin' what you it, do. It's logical. Yeah, definitely. I guess you just kind of settle into step. it. Well, Richie, thank you for taking yes. the time. We we appreciate uh, you being here. Thank you for giving us your insights uh, on your your TV specs, courtesy of Tom Cruise and. Um, uh, Dan, where can people find you? 
Yeah, so always at the film stage. Got a couple reviews out there. Loving Highsmith. I, I I I haven't done it yet, but if you're listening, I might have a be reviewing Confess Fletch, starring John Hamm Hell yeah. as Fletch, uh, which is coming out soon as we're recording, and then another film, I believe. So that's always percolating. Always working on a future B side things, and then of course the triumphant return of at Fathom Stories, uh, Fathom the Story Podcast. Um, there'll be a new story in september as you're listening so hopefully as you're listening it's up um and i think i'm going to say this here and if i'm wrong that's okay it should be a direct sequel to the last story we just did uh before the summer called apparatus so apparati enjoy enjoy I, I should that probably plug my fathom story oh yes oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Do it. Do jay, it. jay and <laughs> go ahead jay my uh you know uh slasher uh love story uh, well like my love to slasher movies uh jay mm-hmm. and then the the most recent one the 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 scream in inspired honesty is the best policy honesty is the best policy and i am actually and I, i'm going to reveal now i am writing a sequel hey. to jay okay. called jay to the revenge for consideration <laughs> oh of course well please yeah i mean we we accept all submissions so and actually that i would i know seriously if anybody's listening and i know we have listeners right if you want to write something <laughs> send me send us an email we no not not you doing that just we have statement. listeners we have listeners we do, right we I do. hope like we do we have <laughs> a small but dedicated uh yeah, fan base yeah so we got at least one if you want to write so. <laughs> if you want to write uh something for fathom send it my way why not i mean we're we're, we're, we're popping off we're trying to make stuff every once a month so anyway um i'll pass it to connor to wrap us up but thank you richie i'll say it again and Connor, uh, send us home, my friend. Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Scruffy Looking. You can find this podcast on Twitter and Facebook at TFS B Side. Um, thank you again to Adam Blotner for our theme music. What obviously we'll have coming up uh, a Tom Cruise Part Three that we will be doing. Um, and so keep a lookout for that after after this. Um. We also will be getting into the, you know, our audience choice. So, you, you know, in the pipe, just generally, we'll have a Michelle Pfeiffer, Michelle Yeoh, Brian De Palma, and uh, Cameron Diaz episodes coming your way, maybe before the all, the end of the year. Um, all of those, we'll we'll see how we can make the schedule work. But those are also all coming down the pipe. Uh, just personally. Um, you can, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be doing some upcoming things for uh, with our dear friend and fearless leader, Jordan Raup, uh, with uh, New York Film Festival. We'll be doing some cinephile game nights. I'm sure there will be, uh, you know, if you're local to New York, I'm sure there's a way you can get in on that. I do not currently, as of this recording, have the specific details, but there will be more details on that stuff uh, to come. So. Yeah, again, uh, Richie, thank you. And uh, Dan and I are going to break now and go to Mario's Pub in Pittsburgh. Hell yeah. um, and just remember, dear listeners, you know, we took a little hiatus. We did our 100th episode. We're back. So if you had a hard time with it, just remember, you wanted this. Nice. Very good. It's from Jack Reed. And now you're listening to the B-Side.